I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And we know it's been a while. I don't know. Has it been about two, three weeks? Yeah. Maybe a month? A month, somewhere around there. We've been busy indeed, but no excuses, that's for sure. But we're back again. We are back again. Glad you guys could join us today. We've got a couple of things we want to talk about. 2019 has been a pretty cool year. Uh, Buck also had a a pretty important game come out last year. Uh, Was it September that Mega Man 11 came out? Yep, last September. Finally broke the drought since when did, I think, 10 came out, like 2010, maybe 11. So, yeah. Well, that that would make sense. Uh, so I, both of us have been pretty busy and we've, I know, Buck, you had a, you had a hard time getting a lot of time to play the game right at, right after it came out. I know that we, one of our, one of our last podcasts, oh, we did, we talked about it and you, you'd only played a, you know, a small fraction of it. Um, so yeah, that's gonna, been really weird. Yeah. I, I understand. It probably just hit you at the wrong time. I know sometimes you have so many games to play. You have so much life going on. It's it, it's hard to make time, uh, and it's hard to put other games down if they really have you engaged. Uh, but that's pretty much going to be the, the basis of the episode today. We've got a couple of games that we really want to talk about that uh, we've been looking forward to, and that's obviously Mega Man 11 from Buck's point of view, and Bloodstained came out recently. And that's been the game that I've been looking forward to the most over the last, like, I don't know. Forever? Four, <laughs> yeah, like four or five years. I've been really looking forward to another one of those coined Egovania titles. And uh, I put a bunch of time into that one. And we kind of just want to give our uh, basic, you know, feedback on that, how we felt about it to let us down, anything we'd change uh, with upcoming titles, things like that. And, and for us, it's almost going to kind of be a little bit of a, a one-sided conversation, but almost like an interview at the same time where uh, we're going to be asking questions about those games to the other person because I haven't played Mega Man 11 outside of the demo, and Buck, I don't think you've played Bloodstained at all. No, I haven't. Just uh, just Curse of the Moon, so I haven't played. Uh, is it Ritual of Night, the, the actual yeah. one? Okay, right. Okay, yep. So haven't played it. So you have just a t- you, t- you know the characters, and that's about it. But Curse of the Moon <laughs> is a badass game. That is a sweet game. Yeah. I didn't beat that one like three or four times, though. Uh, and then we also had another game that dropped recently. We had a new expansion to Final Fantasy XIV, and I'm sure you guys love hearing about our opinions on that. Uh, <laughs> Shadowbringers came out with quite a fury. God, the, the fan base seems to be just head over heels with love with And it's freaking, the fan base has to be multiplying. We got freaking Spider-Man on board now. Like It's kind of ridiculous. We had Spider-Man on board. Yeah, he's doing the commercials. Tom Holland, freaking Spider-Man's doing oh. the commercials that are all over TV. Fair enough. I, well, I don't watch TV, so that would be I why. I don't have cable, but I saw the ads and stuff. So very impressive. Well, I think was it? I think before or like towards the end of Stormblood, didn't they hit over like 10 million subscribers? Yeah, I think like they, because um, WoW won't actually release numbers, but I think it actually passed up WoW, at least as a rumor going around, as far as subscriber count. Well, I'd, I'd say that's probably a safe bet. I think even the last uh, uh, patch that dropped was was still pretty disappointing for, for most WoW players. I haven't played it in a few months myself, and I don't really care at the moment. Um, probably going to hold off until the next expansion to go ahead and resub to that one. Shadowbringers has really reinvigorated 
as most expansions do, Final Fantasy XIV's community. And all I've been hearing is, oh my god, you have to play the story. This may literally be the best story of any Final Fantasy game ever. I'm just like, that's a bold claim. Yeah, that's a real bold claim, and I can't be the only one. i got to get my first gripe out of the way here. Okay, I'm playing on, on PS4 on console. The text is so freaking small on the screen. Like, my vision sucks anyway. But I have to freaking, if I want to even read the story, i got to be two inches away from a freaking 50-inch TV to be able to read it. I feel you. No, I have the exact same problem. I, I don't think my TV is any bigger than the one you have. I literally have to sit at, like, the foot of the couch. I have one of those L-shaped couches. Yeah. Where, <laughs> So I just I sit there and I'm literally like two feet away from the the TV. I agree there has to be a way to make that bigger, but I haven't been able to find uh, amongst all of the configurations in that game. I haven't been able to find it. I was trying the other day and I couldn't find couldn't find anything. But yeah, if I want to even read the story, I got to freaking like the couch is a decent way back from the TV. Otherwise, yeah, I got to freaking hug the TV if I want to even try and read it. That's not an adjustment that they made for this expansion, though. Hasn't that been an issue all the way through? Yeah, I don't even think I, I even tried to read the story in Stormblood very much. Had it wasn't. I thought it had a really good story, but Stormblood was certainly a step back in the story department. And I, like, lost interest, so I stopped reading it. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I actually didn't mind Stormblood's story, like, through the main campaign. I did not have an issue with it. I don't think I actually ended up playing through Heaven's Word. I think I, I, think I ended up boosting through the story because I got locked at those 6,000 quests at the end of A Realm Reborn. And I was oh, just those, like, were, nope. those were bad. Well, I, and that's what I actually ended up doing after Stormblood, too. I didn't end up, even though there's not nearly as many after Stormblood, I ended up, I was like, well, okay, I pay $25, probably save myself 30, 40 hours of pain. That's fine. Yeah, Heavensward had a, a really, really good story, and that was just a, a really good expansion overall, and I think People are saying that Stormblood is not Stormblood. Uh, Shadowbringers is even better than Heavensward, which is that'd be pretty impressive. Well, I'll tell you what, like because everybody was saying that, I thought that I would concentrate a little bit more on the story, try to get a little bit more engrossed in the world. Most games I play, I really don't care about the story. So I, I thought I'd, I'd dig into it a little bit, not you know skip cutscenes or anything like that, like I pretty much normally do because I want to get to the action. I like the, you know, the addictiveness of just leveling up, getting new equipment, all that shit. Um, it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, from somebody who doesn't care about most Final Fantasy stories in general, this it is pretty interesting and pretty engaging. Definitely makes you want to go from quest to quest. So take that for what it is. I'd say that's pretty high praise with not actually sounding that exciting. <laughs> I know you put... I haven't had a chance to put much time into it yet. It's probably like an hour and a half or so is it, so I can't really say much about the story. The only thing I will say about what I've seen so far is the environments are beautiful. Oh, yeah. Everything is super bright. Like, I'm like before 14, it was still like a good-looking game, but it kind of had the the PS3 360 kind of like, I don't know, color scheme I'd call it, where everything is just kind of uh, bland and... uh like brownish looking brown and green yes. and then a gradient between i get it <laughs> and yeah now they uh with shadow since you're in the the world of light there like everything is super light and vibrant it's just a total 
almost 180 from the environment before, and it's a heck of a breath of fresh air. Yeah, the game's beautiful, and as far as I'm concerned, that's always been one of 14th's 14th strengths. And did you hear the the recent uh, interview with Yoshi P? He actually wants to enhance the graphics moving forward. He actually wants to do like a facelift on them. I'm just like, I don't think that's necessary. No, especially it's kind of cool that they're doing this with, you know, basically outdated technology on what should still be be able to be run on like a PS3 or 360. Agreed. Yeah, it Shadowbringers, uh, all the environments that I've been to, and I've only been to probably like two or three uh, unique environments besides like the the town hubs. And uh, it, it is very beautiful. Uh, I'm not going to say that like, the design of the areas, like the layout and stuff, is very interesting. That's one issue I've always had with 14. I didn't find that like traversing the world and exploring was very engaging. You can make that argument for most MMOs where it's just kind of like, hey, go from this quest giver, go do this, go back, go to the next quest giver. Um, I always found it a little bit more enjoyable to explore like environments in WoW because there's a little bit more like verticality. You had a little bit of you had additional like mobility options as opposed to jumping a half inch off the ground and getting on your chocobo. <laughs> well, I mean, Heavensward was the first time you could fly too, so a lot of the environments from a realm were well, everything from realm were born you can't actually, you know, traverse too well. Right. And uh that that's still the case here. You can still get your your aether currents. Yeah. Yeah. That hasn't changed at all. But uh, I've, I've played the game. I have uh, my Summoner and Scholar 73. Uh, and I've been, I don't know how long I've actually spent uh, as far as like going through the story, but I've, I've went, went through several major plot points and it is pretty engaging. Uh, the cutscenes are pretty fun. Most of it is actually, I'd say actually more often than not, it's voice acted, which I'm not, I wasn't used to from the previous expansions i think they definitely put a lot more budget in that because obviously i think they have a lot more budget at this point with the popularity that it's been gaining over the last couple years so that's nice to see so that's kind of made the presentation maybe a little bit closer to kind of what we expect from the mainline final fantasy series nice because yeah i don't like i don't like reading text boxes anymore I'm, i'm jaded gamer at this point especially when they're so small right well, yeah, that that's, that's just an extra pain in the butt. So, but uh, I had, so I've, I've played Summoner and I, have, I haven't really played Scholars. You know, they level up together, which is right. fa- fabulous. So I always have a max level healer that I never use. Shadowbringer brought or Shadowbringers brought in two new jobs, uh, Dancer and Gunbreaker. I've played both um, pretty much up to level 61. They start at 60. And I've got to say, if Gunbreaker was a DPS, it would be my it would be my main easy. It's like literally the most fun class that I, I think I've probably ever played in that game. Man. Um, I like it a lot. And I love all the little nods to Final Fantasy VIII that they have, like in the character skills. They have a, like all but one of like Squall's Limit Breaks and some of, uh, oh, oh how did I forget his, his arch nemesis's name? How did I forget that? Oh, Cypher? Yeah, Cypher. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got a couple of limit breaks in the game too, a couple of skills that also have uh, skill reference names in the kit of the Gunbreaker, and it's a it's a super fun tank. Not to mention that they toned down the difficulty of what tanking is. 
across all the classes. I don't know if you've you've experienced that yet or been into I, that, but yeah, you you into a dungeon yet? But I thought it was weird that being a a paladin main that the whole tanking kit is basically completely different. Well, yeah, you don't have stance dancing anymore. Basically, all you do is activate a tank stance that only increases your enmity. Is it enmity? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Weird. How much of that you generate? Basically, aggro or hate uh, from any other MMO. And that's all it does. It doesn't. It doesn't increase your defense. It doesn't decrease your power, uh, like the different stances were in Stormblood and before. So, so now I really, just turn on like what would have been like shieldos, and I just have that like all the time, and then I'll just automatically like gain hate. Right. Well, yeah. So you don't have aggro. Com- you don't have hate combos anymore. None of your. You used to have obviously paladin. You had yeah. what? You had a hate combo, maybe an MP generation combo, and then a damage combo. Yeah, and like an AOE. Yeah. Yeah. So now, if you turn on your tank stance, everything you do just gains you aggro. So now I can just literally go in, have the tank stance on, just do like. You just AOE. You just AOE mobs. That's all you do. Um, and I think that's a nice quality of change for new players, but it seems like a lot of experienced tanks, uh, from what I've heard are disappointed that the complexity isn't quite there. Well, it seems like it'd just be kind of less for us to do. I think it's less for you to have to juggle, for sure. There there probably is less for you to do. Uh, what I found that as, as a gunbreaker, literally all I was doing was just doing my 1-2-3 AoE combo and trash packs, and then the gunbreaker has a really cool single-target DPS rotation. That's a lot of fun. But... Uh, I think the AOE situations for tanks are probably pretty boring outside of boss battles where they yeah, have. I think it's just, just kind of weird that, you know, basically everything before was all about your, you know, your bread and butter was your, you know, your combos to, to gain hate or whatnot. And now you just basically just go in there kind of like a DPS. And I mean, it's kind of cool, but it it's just I just have to relearn it, I guess. Well, you're going to have to de-learn. I don't know if it's relearn. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think everything is just going to be easier for you. And in 14, uh, you, typically bosses were about the only thing that was really difficult to tank anyway, just because of all of the, the different elements that were going on. And then yeah, the, the, oh, they, like when the tank busters were coming and when to activate. Like, yeah, and when you, had, when you had mobs coming and maybe the, uh, the off-tank would, would deal with those. Um, so basically now is... Whoever puts on their their tank stance, they're the main tank. The other one's the off tank. It makes it easier, so you don't have to. You see, so you're not fighting over aggro. Yeah, that's true. At that point, that's nice. Um, it you know it doesn't bother me. I'm not a I'm not a tank main. I've I've got like all of them up to like level twenty or thirty. Dark Knight, I think, is forty five. Uh, I went through. Uh, you know, I've gone through a few dungeons with the Gunbreaker, and it does feel like a DPS class. Like it's it's got a lot of like really flashy, fast paced combos. It's got the your main combo. It does damage. It heals you. It gives you a small shield, and it also generates your resource, which is a uh, it generates a shell. And you hold you can hold up to two of the. Uh, they're either cartridges or shells. I can't remember. But uh, you you save those, and you can do uh, OCDs or o- OGCDs. <laughs> Off global cooldowns. Okay. And and you can use it for that, or you can also use it for your extended combo, 
which if you remember in Final Fantasy VIII, Squall had a limit break called like the Rizozakin or something. I don't remember how it was pronounced. But yeah, you t- you're talking about though. And uh, they have a con- he has a or the Gutbreaker has a combo, and it's like on like a 40 second cooldown or something like that, where you expend a cartridge, and depending upon what level you're at, it's either a three or a six hit combo, and each layer of the combo you can do uh, an off global cooldown in between it. And it, it does a sick amount of damage, super flashy, and it, it feels very fast-paced, especially for a tank. So that's cool. But, they, I mean, obviously it still has all the stable, like, defensive cooldowns that uh, the other tanks do. Probably yeah. just not as, obviously not as defensive as the Paladin's going to be. The Paladin, I've heard, is actually OP again, this expansion. Good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, obviously I expect that to get nerfed. But the, I think the good thing is, ultimately... Uh, the Dark Knight got a, a really cool rework, and uh, they're uh, they were obviously they needed a good buff. Yeah, I mean they were still viable, but they weren't. Nobody was probably not too many people were probably taking them into like savage content. Yeah, so. people were rating. They, I don't think anyone's like, yeah, let's get a Dark Knight. It's always Warrior and Paladin, and mm-hmm. I I think that'll probably still be the case, but uh, I think I think Gunbreaker. Uh, I think they provide a lot a decent bit more dps although i think it is going to attract a lot of uh of newer players into the tanking role which i think is definitely why they put dark knight and gunbreaker into the tank role because those were going to be two very popular classes and we need more tanks and we definitely need more healers but they didn't add a healer job this expansion they added no and now everyone's saying that the healers got you know basically dumbed down a little bit and i guess now there's since they added a tank and no healer i guess there's a little bit of a lack of healers going on i've heard yeah pretty much every roulette for the most part they're they're they need healers and the biggest issue is they definitely tone down their dps rotations they want them healing more i know cube is a is a white mage main and he's gotten he's freaking he's put okay i got him to start the game over uh Labor Day last year. Yeah, Labor Day last year, so September. Uh, he's put like 1,200 hours in since then. He's gotten all the the Eureka weapons and the relics and everything else from all of them. Like, he's put an insane amount of time in. And literally only on the White Mage? Uh, he, well, he just got everything and all the weapons and everything on the White Mage, and now he started up like a ninja. So. Ah, as you do. <laughs> So, yeah, so obviously it'll be more interesting to talk to people about that that have actually experienced the healing role. It's not something that I'm ever attracted to in an MMO. So I'm pretty much talking out of my ass and whatever, you know, basic hearsay at this point. I know the the uh, the, the Astrologian, nobody's happy with that class. Yeah, that's the, well, that's the one I actually was going to, I wanted, I was going to do, do the level boost and jump into it until I heard that they basically they used to have like what six or eight cards and now it's down to like two basically uh two or three yeah they definitely took out a few of them and uh that was that was dumb i mean that was that was their main gimmick doesn't make a whole lot of sense and i literally have not heard anything good from any astrologian made so they definitely messed that one up expect a lot of uh probably reworks and i don't know 5.1 hopefully yeah because that's i always thought that just class look cool in general but the machinists i think feel like went the opposite way of those the machinists did suck and now it looks really cool again outsider's perspective but it looks really cool 
Uh, yeah, well, I, I've played quite a bit of Machinist, and first off, I want to say the animations for the exist the skills they kept and all of the new skills look awesome. I also love all of the references back to Edgar from Final Fantasy VI. Get Bio <laughs> Blaster, Auto Crossbow, uh, Drill, a lot of his his cool little tools that he used in that. So that was a good inspiration for them to draw on. It seems like a, I don't want to say it's more of a busy class, but it is, there's a lot of uh, off-global cooldown skills that you have to weave uh, between uh, all of your combos. I think there's less randomness now. There's, uh, once you get to the higher levels, there's no more RNG for your combos, which I always prefer. Um, yeah. The, the new Automaton Queen, uh, a lot of, uh, machinist players are saying that it doesn't feel quite impactful enough, but it looks cool, and I'm always down to summon something in the middle of a battle, so that's why I main summoner. I think I think the main thing that they're they're worried about is there's less uh, optimization ar- around the the skills that they had before and that they have now, and it's a little bit more straightforward. But I don't necessarily think that's that big of a deal because if there's one thing that Final Fantasy XIV I don't love a really convoluted, really complex rotation that takes me out of seeing all of the different elements of battle. Yeah, because there's a lot going on. Interested in your actual two-minute rotation to actually, you know, take in the the game itself. Yeah, and you know what? I think some of the some of the issues come down to, and I mean, I don't know because obviously I haven't talked to any of these people. I'm sure they've probably been playing the class classes a lot longer. They probably have them at 80. I don't have them there yet but one thing that i found when i started up uh, my summoner they they did change a lot of what the summoner's toolkit uh was about this time around i i played it for uh, a couple of hours and i know i text you and i was like this sucks (laughs) i'm not having fun just doesn't feel right and um it took me up until about level i don't know 71 uh and i i just I just kind of grinded through figuring all of that, all, all the new skill rotations out. And um, I don't know if it was the fact that it just, it finally clicked with me or it actually just took that much learning or if I was just in a bad mood that day. I don't know. <laughs> could be one of those things. I didn't actually want to play an MMO, but Shadowbringers just dropped. I'm like, yeah, I need to play it. But it, it, it did finally click and I, I'm really feeling Summoner right now. It's Definitely, I don't want to say it's more busy, but I liked, I like how they've moved more towards interacting with your with your eggies and your your Bahamut and the new the new Phoenix summon is cool, even though I don't have it yet. You don't get that till eighty. Uh, I like the fact that they went a little away from all of the dot management. I never never liked that. That never made much sense to me. Uh, but you have to manage less of that. Uh, the the class feels pretty good to me right now, even though I think uh, a lot of people are they think they could have changed a little bit more. And I'm no professional professional Final Fantasy 14 player, so it's yeah, just a, a ba- yeah basically a very casual 14 player's opinion. Shadowbringer had this the story itself, the missions and things of of that nature have been enjoyable so far. Even some of the side quests were actually pretty uh, pretty interesting. So that's that's new for me, and I enjoyed 
Uh, I've enjoyed the dungeons I've done so far, even though I think I've only done one. And also, I think the dancer is actually pretty cool. I had literally no expectations. Uh, outside the fact that I was like, why would you pick the dancer class? Yeah. <laughs> and why is it a DPS? But it is it is kind of cool if you really like proc-based gameplay. There is a little bit of RNG, but it's like a 50%. It's like a coin flip, uh, whether you get like the next steps of your combos. And I think the way they built it out and the uh, the dances having this kind of like Simon Says element to them and the obviously the ability to power up some of your other party members, it, it, it actually feels pretty good. And you're... Yeah, I- you don't have cast cast time, so you're you can run around and throw out your your chakrams or discs or whatever they want to call them in this game. It it feels very fluid. That's good. I mean, it just seems like a weird class to bring in in general. I mean, if you like, do your party members get a buff if you twerk on them, or how does that work exactly? Well, you, well, you have a couple of different buffs. You have one, which is you you pick a dance partner. So you you pick a partner. Uh, basically at the beginning of a dungeon or in a battle, you can change to that partner gets, you know, like damage boosts from two of your other abilities. One of them is it's a standard step. And basically you kind of sit there for a couple of seconds and you have to play the Simon says game. Your, your four main abilities turn into like different colored symbols and you have to hit two of them in a row and you do this little dance and both of you get a 5% damage bonus. And it also does a, a, a big uh, high potency attack to one target. And then you go back to your rotation. And then you have another one that's a, a four step dance where you have to hit four colors in a row. And uh, I think that buffs your partner and it also buffs the rest of your party with, for, with like, I don't know if it's like, if it's just damage or if it's like critical hit um, for like 20, 30 seconds. And those are on uh, 30 second and two minute cooldowns so you use those pretty frequently uh amongst your rotation so it's is it melee dps right it's ranged range okay yeah it's ranged no cast time so you can kind of like bard then a little bit like bard machinist yeah it feels good i think i think it's pretty cool it's pretty flashy there's uh it's never really dull because you're always just kind of like waiting for these these cool procs to happen and uh it's kind of it's like an rng choose your own adventure kind of rotation because Bard feels like it gives you a little more utility to the party, where Machinist is just kind of more like for yourself. And Machinist like literally has no party buffs outside of a party defensive buff, but I think Bard and Dancer both have that too. So, so yeah, Bard and Dancer definitely help the group more. Just like, I guess Ninja's the uh, melee DPS that buffs the party more. Right, yeah, they uh, with a debuff, they give like a 10% damage increase on the enemy, something like that. Yeah, I know they do a lot of crap. I think that the, I guess the DPS overall for Ninja is lower, but it definitely buffs the the rest of the party to make up for it because I know they're like highly sought and, and raids and stuff. But sure, yeah, absolutely. Unlike the samurai who doesn't do shit, Just and their potencies <laughs> and their potencies are like super low for Stormblood or Stormblood. What? <laughs> Shadowbringers. Shadowbringers. Yeah. So I was I that was. One of the classes that I was considering maining because I liked them in Stormblood, but it just it felt a little slow. And their their new skills uh, between seventy and eighty, I was just like, I don't like them. Yeah, I feel like they kind of got the shaft. They did. I w- I'm wondering if you know, as they were a new class for or a new job from Stormblood, if they just like didn't they thought they were good. 
at that point. And they were they were cool. They were interesting. I thought they, you know, they they created a cool samurai uh, aesthetic, and I don't know. I think I thought they pretty much nailed it. But I just I didn't find them that fun because they're for a melee class. I like them to be really like fast and furious, just kind of like the movie series. I need like <laughs> nine of them. Like it just Diesel. wasn't it was it just wasn't quite as as fast as I wanted it to be. Not quite like Monk or Ninja. It's kind of like the the Monster Hunter, like you got the big old sword and yeah, a little bit slower. A little bit slower. You have you have a lot of. I don't want to say you have a lot more gauges because pretty much every class has two gauges at this point. Or yeah, and then Monk or, has all the positionals and stuff too, where you got to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, Monk has a, a crazy amount of positionals, and that's one of the reasons I don't play them. Samurai has a couple, uh, Dragoon has a couple, and they uh, they build into more of their new kit. They got some extensions to their combos and got that cool new dive um, at level eighty. Yeah, I think they've had, they they've definitely improved most of the classes overall i think i think they all got some pretty pretty cool uh new tools although i will say at least for at least for summoner which is the one that i have the most uh experience with it seems like they didn't give a ton of new skills but they concentrated mostly on kind of like restructuring the overall uh rotation and toolkit to be a little bit more i don't i don't know i feel like they they tried to restructure the rotations a little bit more um for whatever reason try to make them smoother um and i think they maybe they did that but they they concentrated especially on summoners a little bit more on their traits than their actual actual skills because we only learned two skills sort of at 72 and 80 at 82 we get it or 72 we get a new trance uh, that basically just transforms two of our already existing skills, and then 80, uh, we summon Phoenix, which is pretty much just a reskinned Bahamut that we cycle through. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Shadowbringers is a cool expansion, and I think anybody who's on the fence or just already liked the game and just hasn't got around to it, definitely, definitely check it out because I think it's it's worth a look. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, definitely going to be. I'm probably going to have some. Hopefully, have some time this weekend to put some more time into it and jump in there. And like you said, a lot of um, some classes just had a few subtle changes. I'm glad the paladin got a gap closer, so that's all we really be on that. I don't care what else we got because that was pretty awesome. Yeah, you definitely didn't get anything like nearly as cool looking as your your level seventy. No, not the the butterfly angel wings thing. Well, when you describe them like that, they're not that cool. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you definitely got some, some uh, cool new toys. I think you got an expansion to, like, your AoE combo and stuff like that. Well, too, and we got, like, I even got a couple new things that they just threw in there. So they got rid of some old stuff, and, like, there's a, a sweet new, like, double jump and cross slash thing. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Didn't do anything, got it. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I like how, I, I feel like maybe part of those uh, restructurings of the skills were to maybe... I, I, I don't know for sure, but to try to make the leveling process less boring. Because if there's one thing that 14 does worse than any other MMO I've ever played, the leveling process from like one at least yeah one to 50 is terrible. Like your classes are not nearly competent 
they're not you don't have a rotation and it's just dull yeah i've had it i mean i was i jumped on originally back in like late 2013 on ps3 and it played obviously on and off more off than on since then but it took me until i think around like the beginning of 2018 before i actually hit level 50 so like five years of off and on trying to push my way through it before i finally got to anything that made it and that that kind of sucks when it takes like you know 80 to 100 hours before a game gets uh fun yeah that's but, yeah, like, yeah that's not an excuse gonna be awesome yeah that's not an excuse ever yeah because that was that was a rough that was rough to put yeah i think guys. that's i think that's far more heinous than all of the kind of you know the the filler quests in between expansions i don't i don't think there's any excuse for it's not that like the content is necessarily bad at those early levels, but man, your your rotations just aren't even near they're so slow. complete. Yeah, they're so slow. You don't have your off global cooldown skills. I think that's the biggest issue. Yeah. Yeah, there's you don't have anything to weave. And, yeah. Because what the most of them there's like the global cooldown overall is I think like two or two and a half seconds or something versus wow it's like one second it feels like an eternity at the beginning because you have like two or three skills and sometimes they don't even link up together. So it's like you do your one slash, you wait two or three seconds, you do it again. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. I know the, I know the paladin uh, rotation up through like 30 was just a trash flash. flash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's still kind of that you still, you still do that a little bit, but we have no flash anymore. Oh, they get rid of that? Yep. Which, what's your AOE? Or you just have your AOE combo now. You don't need yeah. Flash. Cause that, yeah, yeah okay. Flash just all it did was get aggro. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I never, I never, I never had to go through that kind of experience of been a DPS. But I think tanking is actually pretty fun in that game. Tanking definitely gets fun later on, especially when you have those, like, uh, quick time events and stuff later on like Stormblood introduced like the Susano battle where you got the big sword and that stuff was really cool I haven't seen that in in WoW before with like actual no oh, yeah they don't yeah they don't do quick that time stuff, events but... during boss battles yeah no they don't do that God of War thing I also appreciate in 14 you don't as a tank especially coming in like this late with this like many dungeons and trials on the back burner going through a dungeon you don't have to like memorize how to get through a dungeon it's dungeons are basically like playing final fantasy 13 you guys can come at me now but they're pretty (laughs) linear experiences yeah and that's not that bad because dungeons are once you've gone through a dungeon once it's normally pretty repetitive it's not like you're like oh yeah i want to do that again well, it helps, too, because the community is so much better than WoW, too. You don't immediately get into a dungeon. People just sprint immediately. And you got to try and catch up whether you've ever played the dungeon or not. Yeah, no, nothing's as, as fun as playing those, like, level 50 end of a Realm Reborn, like, story missions where you're running through those, uh, like, Magitek factories. Yeah, armors, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're literally just aggroing, like, 40 enemies and just trying to get to the exit. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I did a few of those this week, and I was just like, oh, I do not miss these at all. No. And it, that's not the problem. It's the fact that you can't skip the cutscenes. That's the worst part. Like, they didn't <laughs> invent that. 
functionality at that point. <laughs> you, you can't just hit circle in those and skip them. I need no, that. no, you can't. Those those two that on the the way up to when you is it when you fight the Ultima weapon? Yep. Yeah, you can't. Yes. I completely forgot about that. But uh, yeah, you should definitely need to see if you can get some more time to play it. Um, I did. I did look trying to get a a server transfer. Your your entire server is full. I can't get over to it. Good lord. Yeah, I don't know if mine is. I didn't try to transfer back to my. But man, there you're, was on like... fa- you're on fam for it, and I'm on like Adam and Toys, and I can't. I tried. We can still play together, though, right? I don't think so. I think you have to be on the same... You have to be on the... We're actually on different data centers, too. Oh, good lord. Because you're on Primal and I'm on Aether, I want to say. Because I thought you could still play together. You just had to... You just couldn't, like, join the same free companies and stuff. Well, I mean, if that's true, that's fine. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm just going based on my WoW experience. If you're not on the same server, you can't play with anybody. So, it could be. I don't. I don't know. No, uh, that's all right. We'll we'll figure it out someday. It's not like we ever play the game actively at the same time. That's true. You play like in the morning, and I play just randomly. Well, I'm just talking like we're both never like actually in. Well, you're kind of into the game most of the time, and I'm just I, I'm literally into the game at the beginning of an expansion, and then I'm just when like, I'm not. <laughs> like I don't want to grind this trial over and over again for another pair of earrings even though yes i know it's an mmo i know that's what you do at in game i get it (laughs) (laughs) i got my one relic weapon i took like 100 hours i'm not doing that ever again i'm never doing that ever i'm a completionist i'm I'm as completion heavy as they come but no thank you yeah i'm not (laughs) i'm really never going to get yeah i'm not that invested in this game but it's a quality product all right. Would you have any more questions about 14 for me at this point? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I think I'm good. I'm sure the all the audiences have just been like, we came here for the other two games, not 14. That's right. Yeah. So I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking, so I think we should segue into just your Mega experience Man with Mega Man 11. I'm very curious to hear now that you've I'm I'm assuming you've put at least a decent amount of time into it, at least finished it. I don't know if you've put a substantial amount where you've played through it multiple times and got a real I, good. I finished point. it. I didn't like go for like a, a no hit run or anything like that. Not, nothing that crazy. Not like Joey. Not like Joey. Not like those guys at the uh, Jump and Shoot podcast. That's for sure. Yep. Shout out there. <laughs> but no, I I played through it and it was probably it's been a little while now. Probably in like November, I want to say. Finally got around to it because I think I was playing uh, Xenoblade a lot when it came out and yep. then got finished with that. And then Pokemon which came out after that. And I played that for a while and then it was on to Mega Man. So you're only on hiatus for like two months. Yeah, I think I got in between there, like played Pokemon for a bit. In between like Pokemon Smash, I got Mega Man in there. And I, I will say too, for anyone that's looking to jump in and get like Mega Man period. I don't know if the PSN just had a huge sale where you get the entire catalog of Mega Man uh, 1 through 11 and X through X8 for like 30 or 40 bucks. It's $40. And you get Mega Man 11. Yeah, I said 1 through 11, but yeah. I missed that part. That was included. That. Yeah, it's like 1 through 10 is its own thing with the Legacy Collection 1 and 2. And then, like you said, 11 is separate. And then the Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and 2. So 
that's a freaking steal for 40 bucks for the entire series for however many games that is, like 20 games. Yeah, definitely a good deal. Especially if you haven't played the crap out of all of them. Like I have, but still, I still have That's right. Play. You'll replay them again. It's nice to have them all in a convenient little package. Yeah, exactly. Did you end up picking that up or not? No, I didn't because I ended up spending like probably like a hundred dollars to get my Final Fantasy XIV account up to date. I had to buy Shadowbringers, <laughs> I had to buy the skip, and then I had to buy a monthly subscription. So Man, oh yeah, the skip. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was the most important thing. Otherwise I don't because I bought Shadowbringers before I bought the skip and I almost You're like, oh crap. Well, no, well, I was playing it. I was like, I was going through stuff and I was like, I'm not going to end up playing it. I know I'm not going to do this. This this sucks. So I was like, well, this is going to probably take me. Like I said, I don't. I was literally probably seven missions into the post game content. Only so, like 60 more. Right. So it was like, well, it's probably going to take me 30, 40 hours, 25 bucks. I'll, my time's worth more than that. So yeah. I bought it. And uh, don't regret it. So well, I actually think fun. they should at least give you a month subscription when you buy the new expansion. But You would think. Yeah, you would think, but they don't. And I don't think – actually, I think WoW might do that, but regardless. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. But, yeah, that's why I didn't buy the Mega Man collection. I think it's actually still on sale, though. Yeah, so everybody should check that out if you haven't because it's definitely worth it. There's a – a lot of hours and a lot of epic games in there. And it also comes with all of like the the additional like artwork and different like I don't know if it has like interviews and stuff in it, but all the different extra content that came with all of the different uh, Mega Man collection releases that came out. So it includes yeah, all that. Yeah, the DLC stuff too for for uh, nine and ten are in there. Yep. And yeah, like you said, a bunch of artwork and there's actually like a like a thirty minute anime that has like the Origins of Sigma and stuff that was only released on the, like, Mega Man Powered Up or something, or the Mega Man X, like, remake on, on PSP that I got. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Yeah, that stuff's awesome for for fans like we are. Uh, like, I, yeah, I just recently picked up the uh, Castlevania collection. Konami, you finally did something right. Good on you. Yeah. But maybe pick up the pace. Um, I picked that up. Uh, eight classic games, but they also had like an 84 page uh, like book with like different like sketches and you know like interviews about the games and things like that in it. And I I always appreciate that kind of extra stuff that you is probably harder. I I probably could have found a lot of that stuff online, but it's nice to have it kind of just there for your viewing pleasure. I wish they would have had a physical release with that one. I'm sure you do too. I do, and, you know, they might do that on the Switch in, like, three months. You know how they always, like, delay that shit? But I don't... Konami's not going to do that for me. I probably would have bought all three of those collections on on physical. The the, the uh, Contra and also the Konami Arcade Classics. They're all great deals. They're all 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. The, the Contra would know it. It sucks because the, I don't think it has online multiplayer, does it? Oh, I have no idea. I, I didn't actually. That, I, but since we're like the only ones that even play Contra together, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even. I didn't even consider that. To be honest with you, there's no way Konami put in that much work. No. If they had, they would have charged thirty or forty bucks for it. But yeah, that is a shame. Those games are. 
are not not the same by yourself. Yeah, they're just they're not as much fun, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and actually one more thing about this collection. I, I feel like I'm I'm taking all the heat off of, of Mega Man. <laughs> we'll but people people who are interested in those those collections from Capcom, especially the Castlevania one, I haven't I haven't dug into the other ones as much. They actually have the Japanese releases on there too. Uh, of all of the games except for the except for Simon's Quest, I believe, which I don't know why they don't have that one, but there's no way you'd be able to figure out that you need to kneel, kneel by a wall for seven seconds to get trans, you know, get transported by a tornado. Um, so I'll you can't figure that out in English. So. Than, than our version, so you may as well play it in Japanese. Not like the people yeah, that made those Mega Man ZX maps, though. So. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hmm. Back to Mega Man 11. Yes, please. So did you play? Did you play it at all? No, I played the demo. That's all I played. So I played, what was it, like, Hardman Stage or whatever? Blockman? Blockman. They're all the same, right? Basically. Hardman's yeah. Mega Man 3, so I don't think you played his stage, but... No, probably not. But uh, I played the demo, the, and I... I gear system. You got to at least experience it a little bit. Yeah, I have the general gist of it. I mean, it's not a it's not a complex game, but... No, you got your max pain slow down, then you got your power up. Now, did you think those were good additions, and you'd like to see those transition into upcoming entries in the series, or not? I thought they were good additions, but I'd like to just see them stay here and just as a one-off. I'd like to see them like get another gimmick in there instead. Do you have any ideas? Um, hmm. No, now you're putting me on the spot. So. Not necessarily. I was just, I was just curious. Uh, as far as like a new idea for that, well, I don't have a, a new idea for that per se. But one thing I wish they would bring back, and it was really weird that they didn't have anything. Period with a base or proto man. They're not in the game. They're not in the game. Like there's no mention of them, and they're not hidden in there. They're not in there. Period. They're and it feels like almost like a soft reboot to the series, the way they treat everything. We know Capcom's sort of been doing that. And they're focusing on, like, Dr. Light and Dr. Wily, which is cool, and the story's actually not bad. It just feels so dumb to not, like, include... Like, base has been a staple since Mega Man 7. Of course, Proto Man even more so since Mega Man 3. I feel like... As long as Mega Man fans have been like waiting for this, it should be like more of a love letter. I don't know if they were like concerned that. Well, let me ask you this first off: Is there like any narrative at all? Yeah, there's actually a half decent narrative that probably more so than than most of the series before it, because it talks about that basically way back in the day when Doctor Light and Doctor Wily were in college, that Doctor Wily created this like. You go to college for robot building? Heck yeah. Back, back. Oh, okay. Back in. I, I was going to say back then. I was like, well, this game actually takes place in the future. <laughs> so probably it, it's like, it's like whatever. The original Mega Man games were like 2200X. So sometime in the early 2000s. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so sometime in the, like, the, like the 90s or 2000s. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> And back when they were in college at Robo University or wherever, the Dr. Wily created like the double gear system and Dr. White Light, Dr. Wowie. 
<laughs> Dr. Light was like, this is terrible. Like this will only be used for, for evil or whatever. And they kind of got into it and they like crushed Dr. Wiley's dreams. It kind of made you feel bad for him. He was like, screw you guys. I'm using it on all your robots. That this is like, is this like a prequel to the rest of the series or was that no, just additional like story that they had like, beforehand? Okay. Yes. Yeah, they have a flashback to like when they were in college and it shows that like they, Dr. Light's like, you don't need to use this system because things should only be used for peace or whatever. And Wiley's like, this could like help everything and make us, you know, robots twice as good and whatnot. And Wiley's like, or Light was like, nah, it's a bad idea, bro. Well, it makes sense. I, I think that's that's probably uh, cool to see as a fan. It's what you it's what you would expect. They were young entrepreneurs trying to get out of the grind, making yeah. killer robots. Like, I like it. Back for Wiley, because they end well, up using them anyway. Well, that's back when they didn't have to, uh, you know, go according to Nintendo Power robot design submissions. So <laughs> that's true. It's that was back when they could do it on their own. Yeah. So uh, the the basic uh, layout of the game, though, I'm assuming same kind of situation, eight stages, a couple extra yep. stages at the end. Yep, eight stages. Um, well, I guess four extra stages technically. Basically, two extra stages. The third one is the eight robot masters. The fourth one's a glorified just boss battle with Wily. That seems pretty standard. Yeah, it's it so really standard. Not Not necessarily bad, but I mean, just super... By the book. So you think it was too safe, potentially? I, I think it was definitely too safe, because literally, the, like, the last battle with Wily is the normal, it's only two forms, and it's just the, you know, the skull thing on rockets, like usual, and then you blow it up, and he's in his little pod. So, like, the same as, like, Mega Man 7? Yep. And, Except like, Mega easier. Man 3 and Mega Man 4. Yes, definitely easier. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that's cool is they like they make a lot better use of your powers. They encourage you to use them in the stages more to like get rid of hazards and things like that. Whereas I'm used to the way I usually play Mega Man is I just go through with the X Buster most of the time or the Mega Buster and then don't use my powers except on actual bosses. Well, typically only like only like one or two of them are even like useful in like a standard scenario, uh, you know, kind of like the metal blade or something like that. Uh, usually uh, the majority of them are only useful against the bosses. So it sounds like they added a lot of, or not necessarily a lot of, but certain extra utility to them. Yeah, they definitely did. Like, like blast man has these bombs that kind of home in on people and can like blow up tons of stuff and can blow up those little, Spike things that go across the ground that are super annoying that hit you. Otherwise, you can just stun with your Mega Buster. And of okay. course, you can use you can like power up your weapons and stuff with the the power gear. So they change kind of like they do in the X series when you get yeah, the uh, arm Buster upgrade. To, exactly. Instead of being able to you know just hold down Square or Y or whatever to charge everything up, you just use the power gear and then you get different different options. Now, is that the first time in the main series that you could do that? For every weapon it is, yeah. Otherwise, you could always... There's always one or two. Like I think in like Mega Man 2, is in Heat Man's, you can power up. And there's always one or two people you could power up, it felt like, in all the games. But yeah, for the most part, using everybody's for sure. And it was kind of cool that 
like the robot masters or at least most of them actually use the gear to help out like block man actually transforms in uh that big dude i'm yeah i know you play that stage he like transforms in a huge roided version of himself yeah but that's one thing you said that they didn't actually do for a lot of the they didn't bosses. They, if they did it was just kind of like a cop out like they'll have say you know bounce man will activate like a speed gear so he'll go a little bit faster which seems like that they didn't really put as much love into him as a block man who actually you know change forms is he the only one that does he's the only one that changes forms yeah hmm. well but, no wonder know, they use that as the demo right yeah i wonder why yeah, the other ones they just used like the the speed gear and stuff or gave him like they hadn't used the power gear but it would just be like an extra move like Tundra Man's, like would use his little spinny snow thing would take up like a third of the screen instead of just like an eighth of the screen. Yeah, it feels like a a missed opportunity. Especially when I thought with the way they set up Block Man, I thought everyone's gonna have like multiple forms that they're going all like Dark Souls on us. Yeah, I don't. I feel like if they, I feel like in most games when they do that, like with most of the bosses, it it becomes way less special. You're just like, oh, here we go again. For me, someone who hasn't played it, I'm just like, oh, that that's not really disappointing, but I feel like they should have at least done it with a couple more. Especially when it was one of the main draws of the demo. But I thought there, there's definitely some some cool things that are mainly added because of the double gear system. Like, Torchman's level is what would be like a super annoying scrolling lava level. With disappearing blocks? No, not with disappearing blocks. Thank Those goodness. The Wily stages. Ugh. The disappearing blocks, though, are super easy because you can slow down time. Well, that, 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 that's fine. I won't complain about that. Yeah, that's one time where it actually comes in handy. But, like, on uh, on Torchman stage, like, the lava goes ridiculously fast. Like, it kind of reminds you of, like, Quick Man with those lasers coming out. Yeah. But you just have to, you know, use the gear at the right time, and then it makes it, you know, fairly easy. Okay, so... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say even in like Blockman stage, if you remember that with like those little boxes falling down. Yeah. Like, yeah, it I, makes sense. I totally forgot to use the gears, like even like mainly playing the demo, and I still didn't think that one was that bad to still beat it without. But using them, it's like super easy. Yeah, that segued into the question I was gonna ask. Uh, when you finally got back to the game and you actually played through it to completion did you find that you actually used the gear system more often and did that actually enhance your enjoyment of the game or was it just uh, an extra option to make things easier but it didn't necessarily make it more fun yeah i think it made it a little bit more fun i mean it certainly made things easier especially with uh, stuff like Torchman, when it's just a scrolling lava stage where if it hits you you die but yeah just using that in bosses too it's kind of satisfying if you can use it on a boss and, and slow everything down or even power up because you get a, a double mega buster if you you know use the power gear and can do a decent amount of damage it's a nice addition but i think they should have a a different gimmick for the next one or or do you do you think they should keep it but uh expand on uh mega man's abilities like i was gonna ask do you get any type of like hidden like bonus things like like getting like the rush suit in six or anything like that no there's nothing that would have been cool too but there's like nothing cool like that there's basically just 
um, a store where you can buy stuff to make things easier, like you can buy, you know, e-tanks and more lives and stuff like that. But you can't enhance yourself like an eight. I mean, you can, but it's not with like cool stuff. It's like where you can you could buy stuff where you don't get like knockback and stuff like that, but you can't actually, <laughs> you know, get actual cool stuff. Like eight had the little like homing arrow and laser and stuff. Yeah. Would go through people. You don't get stuff like that. Yeah. I don't, this this game does sound super safe. I figured they'd at least put like some like cool Easter eggs or something in there. And like the the graphical style, I'm still not a big fan of. It's kind of got the. It looks like almost chibi to me to a certain extent. Yeah, it it kind of is, and it's kind of got a mixture of like, I don't know, I just love the hand drawn look of like eight, and you know X. That's right. Real X. Yeah. It's real expensive to make nowadays. I guess that's what I've heard. I don't see how it could have been. They produce games. Like indie games, so much, they could use pixel art. Yeah, and there's so much less of a budget back in the day, and people were producing games, and now you're telling me it's more expensive to do that? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, it might be. I guess it's, it's, probably, it's probably a whole lot easier to do it this way, I would imagine. What engine was it made in? Do you even know? Maybe Capcom had its own. Maybe they did it in, like, RE Engine or something, <laughs> and it was just easier to do it this way. I don't know. How do it was that the engine... For the engine EA used for Anthem, they create themselves. It has to be it. Perfect. Or like they did for like Final Fantasy 15, which cost them like umpteen dollars. So they had to release like 14 like tie-in titles. Yeah, the Kingdom Engine or whatever they have. Um, Yeah, I I think the game. I actually don't mind the graphic style. I think it looks okay. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't bother me. It didn't stand out as like ugh. I, I thought there was a lot of cool detail in the levels. Like, the backgrounds are definitely cool, but I mean, I just, I just love the hand-drawn look a lot more. Just like I know you actually said you don't mind the look of the Link's Awakening, and I don't like it. Yeah, I, I do, I do like that. The, the remake that's basically just like, like claymation like, Link. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into it. Um. Well, see, this almost feels a little bit like that. It looks like a mixture of like kind of like claymation and like a mixture of claymation and kind of old school Mega Man is what this feels like. Which is maybe why you didn't mind it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be. I, th- I think that's a, that's kind of an, I don't want to say it's an extreme example because I think the Link's Awakening art style is definitely uh, more polarizing. Um, and I can see why you wouldn't like it. Uh, I know you're going to get it. Don't lie yeah. to me. Oh, I'm definitely um, going to be day one. <laughs> Such a classic title, and uh, Nintendo's not going to mess it up. No. So, and it may be also one of those things like uh, I, I think we both share in this opinion. I think we both loved uh, the graphics for Wind Waker when they were announced and when the game came out right away. For sure. That, it looked sick, and everybody was complaining about that. Uh, I'll 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 see if it it'll it might grow on you. You don't know. It might. It could yeah. be. Mega Man 11 overall, I would just I just call it safe. Yeah. The, the best way to describe it, I'd say overall I was a little bit disappointed. Well, if you had to, I I know you obviously you haven't been sitting on it uh, for a few years. You haven't revisited it a few times. I know that sometimes a a good revisit after a year or two can change your perspective on a game or reinforce it. Yeah. Uh, uh, where would you? Where would you put it in the pantheon of the games that you enjoy out of that series? 
Okay, so if we're ranking it in the regular Mega Man games... Yeah, let's, we don't need to compare it to the X-Series. That's no. a different beast. That's, that's a whole different beast. I'd say game's better than this one. Seven's definitely better. Three's better. Uh, I actually like eight better, and I know that's not going to be a popular opinion, but eight's better. And I'd say three, four, two, three, four, seven, and eight are all better. And so so one and five. I didn't play nine and ten. I I only played those through like one time, and that was back in 2008 and 2010, I think. Uh-huh. I don't even. I'm not even gonna throw those in there because I don't remember them super well. But I'm going one through eight. I'm gonna rank it um, between there, and I like it. I like it better than one, five, and six, basically. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I really like six a lot, but one and five, I agree with you. One is easily at the bottom of the barrel. One is by itself, like hands down, not like everything is leaps and bounds above one. Except for X7. I actually like <laughs> X7 more than once. So. Oh, really? oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, I think I think Mega Man 1 is a chore to play. And, yeah, like, literally no fun. No. I'm but, not a fan at all. But, you know, yeah, it was successful enough, and it... It gave us two. Yeah, which it was awesome. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I love two, but I think two is highly overrated, too. But I do like two a lot, still. I think I think two is like a hundred percent nostalgia and the soundtrack. The soundtrack I'm, is maybe the best. Yeah, and it's got Bubble Man, so that's awesome. It. The first Mega Man boss I ever beat, Bubble Man. And I think I think two is maybe more fondly remembered by a lot of people because it. I'd argue it's like literally the easiest Mega Man game. Yeah, it is. It's super easy. Like yeah. you get you hit Flash Man like two times and he dies. Yeah. With Mega Buster. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really easy. So that might be why, but I think it's totally nostalgia and just like how much of an upgrade from the first one it was. It literally established it literally established everything in the series or improved it to the point where it needed to be. And it got the it got the style down too cuz I still think like the dragon, I think that dragon still looks awesome. Oh no, the the, the dragon in like the, is that the first or second stage? Or, first stage, yeah. Yeah, no, he's really cool. Uh, th- those extra stage bosses they never really disappointed me, but there are some goofy-looking ones. <laughs> yeah, they brought the freaking yellow devil slash rock monster back for this one. But you can't... That doesn't have the glitch anymore, so... But I'm sure it's not as hard, either. It's definitely not as hard, especially slowing down time. It's really yeah. easy, actually. That's fair. See, I'd forget about that. So, are you... I'm glad... Well, actually... I'm certainly glad it's back. I'm glad it was made, but... I would want Mega Man 12 if they go that direction to improve it a lot and bring back, heck, bring Duo back even. He was cool. And obviously Proto Man, Bass, Treble, or, you know, as they say in Mega Man 8, Bass, but... And, like, Uh, why uh, do they have characters like Otto that, you know, seemingly didn't matter, and then we forget people like Proto Man, who are huge? Yeah, I don't know. Was Otto, like, I literally only remember him from Seven. Yeah, I mean he, he was, was an eight though too, wasn't he? he? Didn't do anything like an eight. Remember, he was in those those side-scrolling shooting levels, like Tingu Man stage. Yeah, but all of them, all of them were. Pick up. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's I I feel like Mega Man Eleven, like for as as much as Capcom is killing it right now. I mean, no argue there. That's not even subjective. No. They're killing it right now. That was their weakest entry 
amongst all of their amazing games that they've released over the last year, year and a half. And certainly it's not bad by any means. I know it's probably going to feel like I'm ripping on it a little bit, but it's just it was disappointing to me. Well, sure. You you had a you had a long amount of time to expect something out of it. And uh, the fact that they came in to this series that they're reviving so safe, uh, especially in comparison to like all of their like reboots and things that they've been doing where they've been changing everything dramatically from, you know, Resident Evil um, to Monster Hunter, all that stuff. To to play it so safe, yeah, it might be a little disappointing for Mega Man fans overall. And it felt it felt kind of budgety too. Well, they definitely went with the the, the bare minimum. They didn't. They weren't at, like, hey, here's twice came, as many levels. Forty bucks too, man. I came out at thirty bucks, I think. Um, that sounds I right. So yeah, that sounds right. You can pick it up for fifteen to twenty now. Most most stores I've seen it. Yeah, or just get the the PSN sale or whatever. I'm sure it's on there for Steam, super cheap too. Forty bucks for everything. Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked on Steam in a while, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably get it for the the PlayStation. I've, I've been repping that pretty hard over the last few months, so it feels good to get a little bit more honed in on my console gaming because I've yeah, been a lot of PC games for a while, weren't you? Yeah, I was. The the, the PS4 needed uh, a little bit more love. And I think I think that mostly got started up again with uh, Devil May Cry 5. So thank you, Capcom. <laughs> yeah, I just next time I'd like to see him go, I guess, a little less budget, a little more all in. It felt like this is kind of a testing the water out there. Yeah. Which I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they felt like they needed to do that since everybody was like screaming for it. Well, I wonder how I, well they sold, though. Yeah, that I don't know. But it got cheap quick, even cheaper than it came out as. Yeah, that that could be. But I always find it, I always find it very intriguing, based on like the current market trends, that developers still don't understand how much people actually still want these 2D kind of old school games. Like, is the indie scene not proving anything to publishers at this point? Well, I don't understand how companies can like Square Enix can have like. Chrono Trigger and that franchise just—it's a license to print money. Even if you just re-release it, and how? Can well, you they need to re-release it correctly, not well, like yeah, they did on Steam. Yeah, don't throw the mobile version up there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if they remastered that, they would just be printing money. Or if they made a new Chrono game like that, that'd be so easy. Well, right, but they can't. They literally, outside of what we've seen of the Seven remake, they literally have made like the worst decisions outside of Konami that I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, Nomura is, is the train wreck of a producer that takes 18 years to get anything done. Yeah, it's like it's like Square Enix is like, it has the Final Fantasy XIV team, and then it has the rest of Square Enix. Yeah, Yoshi P should be running Square Enix. Agreed. He actually listens to the fans, which is cool. And he, he revived a dead game. Yeah, that was insane. Like, there is yeah. no reason that they... they should have even tried to do that, and the fact that they did it, and now it's overtaking WoW, even though WoW is pretty much shooting itself in the foot. But, I mean, they even, in a lot of people's eyes, they they messed up Kingdom Hearts 3, but I mean, <coughs> nobody nobody was going to um, that was, have that game live up to expectations. That was like Mega Man 11, though, with me, that there's nothing they could have done that would have lived up to, you know, what is it, 12 or 13 years of hype. 
14 years of hype, 2005 to 2019. Well, I mean, how long have I been waiting for a 2D Castlevania game to come out? Uh, 2007 or 8, I want to say. Was Portrait of Ruin the last one? No, it was Order of Ecclesia, and it came out 2008, 2009, I want to say. It came out, yeah. And then after that, we had, was it Harmony of Despair, which was that online multiplayer one on the Xbox 360. Oh, that was cool. That was amazing. That was so unexpected. Uh, but besides besides those, and obviously uh, Curse of the Moon, pretty much been waiting a decade at this point for uh, a new Metroidvania-style Castlevania game, like That's Symphony of the sick Night. Sick transition, by the way. I'm sorry, what? I said that was a sick transition you've got here going, by the way. <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> uh, I feel like I bring a little bit uh, to the podcast, a little bit of professionalism, a little bit of wit. Definitely <laughs> good segues. But uh, unless you have more that you want to throw down about Mega Man 11, I thought it seemed, felt like a good time to transition. No, I think that was a good time to get away from it. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is the game I'm obviously talking about. Uh, the super successful uh kickstarter campaign from koji igarashi that i think that started was that 2015 i want to say that that got funded oh most people were i don't know if people were saying four or five years so yeah it's 14 or 15 yeah i can't remember but when it when it came out like literally it got backed they asked for 500 grand they got 5.5 million and it was the it was the largest kickstarter video game campaign until like shinmu 3 which what a dumpster fire uh, <laughs> came out, like got started up like a month or two later. Um, and we have all been wait patiently awaiting this game to finally come out after two or three delays at this point. Um, I think we waited an extra year and a half after they said that it was initially going to come out. Uh, while I was a little disheartened by that, I, I had a lot of faith in the project uh, I have a lot of faith in him as a developer in general, because uh, pretty much all of the all of the old school Castlevania games, all the 2D ones that he was a part of, were insanely good. And the fact that he he left Konami, like many of uh, their best developers have at this point, Kojima, <laughs> yeah, uh, he left because they they didn't see the points they w- of of creating games. Uh, 2D exploration games like that and that's what he wanted to make they wouldn't let him so he left started his own company started up the Kickstarter and they've been working on it for uh, four to five years now and it finally released uh, last month I'm here to say that it lived up to every expectation that I had and probably even more honestly. I would say too that it shows how much he's actually involved in the game versus like uh, Keiji Inafune and Mighty Number no. Nine, when <laughs> clearly he it was so out of touch with Mega Man, everything had become. Igarashi actually, you know, you can tell actually deals with this stuff and knows what he's doing. Sure, that was another dumpster fire of a, a Kickstarter. Uh, one that's a little bit closer to home for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't back that one though. So. Thankfully. Yeah. See, I backed this game at the three hundred dollar level. 
Uh, that is how much faith I it was also that's how much faith I had in the project. That's how excited I was. Potentially how stupid I was from creating my Kickstarter account and then doing that. It's like <laughs> not necessarily understanding uh, how Kickstarter works. You know, they they seem to have a, a good plan moving forward. Everything sounded good to me as far as uh, the development and the end goal that they had. And then all of the uh, what what seemed like really cool, you know, like stretch goals that they had going on, online multiplayer, extra playable characters, additional game modes, things like that. I was like, these are all the things that I want in in my Castlevania game. And the, some of these are even features that I'd, I would want in the the older games, too. Uh, they're listening to the fans what we want and. Uh, I was I was more than happy to uh, back at the three hundred dollar level. I feel like I'm just flexing on people now. <laughs> it's like boom, just writing that check. But I, uh, we got the game, and I spent literally probably after it came out. I probably just spent like the next three or four weeks. That was literally all I played. I've put uh, between like fifty and sixty hours into it and played through it about three times. Like I said, it, it lived up to my expectations and and then some. Uh, Buck, for you especially, I know you're a big fan of of the Aria series. It's pretty much all the best parts of the Aria series combined with most of the good parts of Symphony of the Night. Yeah, the Aria series are my favorite Castlevanias, and obviously I love Symphony of the Night and 200% the castle and all that good stuff. 200.6? 200.6? 200.6% the castle. (laughs) Just saying. It, it, it's a it's definitely a a nice meld of the two uh, there's just there's so much going on in the game and i know for some people they they didn't love the art style and that's and that's one thing we need to give uh the development team props for you know when people were like hey we don't necessarily like these graphics they went ahead and brought in another company is that when they brought in uh did it wait forward or did they yeah it was, yeah I think I think they had an ex- a couple other companies come in. They they worked on the graphics and they also did a lot of bug fixing for the game. They they redid a lot of those graphics and I think it, it was definitely for the best because I think the graphic style is actually pretty cool. I was a little apprehensive at the two and a half D graphics because I don't think that always works. No, uh, I think it it does. You know, I'm usually not a big fan of that, but they also have the graphics. In Bloodstain that I've seen also have like a almost like a hand drawn aesthetic with it. Yeah, they kind of have that like black outline that kind of makes it a, look a little bit more comic booky, if you will. A lot like a lot like how I would consider like uh, Marvel vs. Capcom three. Yeah, it had, a, it had a really cool aesthetic to it. It's not as comic booky as that, but uh, I think all the the area designs, all the all the flashy effects from your different shards and weapons and the boss battles are. Uh, a, a lot of fun and what I was was hoping that they would be able to produce um, as far as like uh, like the length of the game. Um, first time I played through it took me, I don't know, 15, 20 hours. That's about well, the perfect length for a Metroidvania, though. Um, I don't know if it's the perfect length for a Metroidvania, but uh, I mean, it depends. Like your definition of Metroidvania could be different than other people's. Like for for one that's like an RPG, I think that that's a good length. For one that's not, that's like more of a Metroid game, I think 10 to 12 hours is the right length, assuming it's high quality. But that's just me. 
And then after that, like they did add the new game plus feature. Um, that was one thing I always wanted them to put in symphony of the night. And they did add to, uh, some of the, the DS games moving forward with the series, let you carry over, uh, all of your, your items, weapons and, and shards and things. So kind of lets you replay the game being a little bit overpowered, maybe like create a, a different way that you wanted to play through the game. One thing that was a little disappointing in that is that they don't ask you what you want to carry over, which is something I always like. They letting you customize the way that you replay, letting you pick, Hey, I, I want to keep all my shards. Hey, I'd rather go back down to level one than stay at the high level that I am. Hmm. Uh, they don't do that. Uh, you, you just basically keep everything except for key items. And the one thing I wanted, really wanted to do was let me go back down to level one because by the time I was done with my second playthrough, I was, I was max level. And there's literally no challenge in the game um, at that point uh, for obvious reasons. Like, Just one shot and everything? I mean, pretty much. And, I mean, there, that's one thing that I've, I've always loved about um, these games, is there is a, there's a true feeling of empowerment uh, while you're going through. And by the time you're at the end of the game, you're just like this, this, this god among men or women in this case. And you just have, like, complete agency over the world. Nothing hinders you. You, you're pretty much destroying most things. And uh, a lot of people may knock some of the, like, especially Symphony of Night. They're like, well, the game's really easy. I'm like, well, it's not very hard, but if you, you know, if you want to set that personal challenge, you don't have to use all of the overpowered weapons that exist in the game. And even most of them, if you don't know about them, you're not necessarily going to be using them. Like some of them are like rare drops and things like that. You have to earn the right to use them, but then uh, a lot of people, once they know that they're there, they're like, "I have to get it." But it just destroys the game, any challenge at all. So um, this game actually had a pretty nice challenge overall, especially even uh, not necessarily on the normal difficulty, but I'd say there's three difficulties: normal, hard, and the nightmare. Hard difficulty is. Probably the one I'd tell most people to play on if you if you really want a challenge and you don't just kind of want to cakewalk through the whole game. Uh, hard mode, basically, how do I want to describe it? It has more enemies. It has actually has remixed enemies in different areas. To play through the two different difficulties, I think, is, is definitely worth it. Um, some of the harder enemies are earlier in the game, things like that. Yeah, that's, that certainly helps because, I mean, like you said, sometimes they just either throw more stuff out there, whatever the case may be. If they actually change things up on the difficulty levels, that makes it feel like it's worth going back and giving it another go. I, I think so. It's is kind of a tough one with Metroidvanias where you actually level up because there's always the, you know, where you can just grind. Yeah, you can grind or you can, you can get a lucky drop off of an enemy. Uh, more often than not, there's rare drops off of certain enemies that just like really cool weapons, but they are much more powerful than the weapons you would have had at that point. And, and Bloodstain's no different. It, it definitely has a lot of, a lot of options for progression, which I appreciate. And some of the shards are just ridiculously overpowered too. Uh, much like the Aria series, like we were talking about, you kill enemies, you can absorb their, absorb their shards and they give you different magical properties. Uh, you get, basically just spells that you can you know fling like water spouts fireballs things of that nature um you have a, a couple of different ways to input them you have ones that you can kind of like aim in in like a 360 degree 
uh, range around your character. And some of those are used for solving puzzles. Some of them aren't. You also have familiars uh, that'll follow you around, and they also level up, much like Symphony of the Night. You had, like, fairy, bat, demon. And you get things very similar to that in this game as well. And then they also have just, like, passive shards, like you did in the Aria series as well, that will augment certain certain stats or, like, passive healing. Um, there's definitely a lot of options. Pretty much every enemy in the game drops different shards and also drops different items. Uh, there's always a certain sense of of discovery in that regard. And uh, on top of that, you can also get multiple copies of each shard. This allows your, your main character, Miriam, who's a shard binder. That's why she can absorb these shards. You collect them, they get more powerful. If you collect one or you, you're holding nine of them, they get progressively more powerful. And then there's also uh, an alchemy option where you can power them up even further. So there's there's grade levels and then there's rank levels. Even what may seem like very useless skills at the beginning of the game, once you get them ranked up and, and they're grade up as well, they'll transform into much more useful abilities. One ability where you may just kind of like throw a frog at the ground and it hops across the level. Maybe doesn't do that much damage. Once you get it up to like level nine, it might summon like five giant frogs and just like annihilate the screen. No, nice. That's pretty so, cool. So yeah, a lot of them, I would say actually pretty much every shard, not only does it get more powerful, but it, it, it does change in some way. That's a, that's a cool detail that they added. Um, the weapons, uh, uh, there's a lot of them. There's a, there's a fair amount of variety there cool thing that they did was they added they took weapon skills from symphony of the night where you could like a lot of the different weapons if you put in like a a fighting game uh input like a hadouken or a shuriken or something like that there may be like a hidden ability in that weapon and in this game certain weapons do and if you master them uh, if you like use them a certain amount of times you can master that skill and that skill gets unlocked for every weapon in that category I don't think it's quite as interesting as they did in Symphony of the Night where there's, there's I don't want to say there's necessarily more weapon skills, but I feel like they're more unique and a little bit more special. That may also just be rose-tinted goggles at that point. Because weapon skills aren't necessarily anything unique in the series now. They had them in the Aria series too. Maybe that's still a cool little add-on though. Yeah, it's just a it's a it's a bunch of other things to to level up and empower your character. Uh, they also have, like I said, they have the crafting system where you can create new weapons, combine them, all that kind of like monster hunter goodness. And then they also have uh, a, a system where you you cook food for like healing items and things like that, more monster hunter, if you will. Or can but you burn your your steak? You can't burn your steak. It's not it's not that skill based. Uh, <laughs> You can create the, these meals, obviously, to heal you, but you get an extra bonus. The first time you eat any individual recipe, you get a permanent stat buff. By the time you go through all of them, you get a really hefty chunk of additional stats, uh, which rewards you for exploring the world more and finding ingredients and things like that. So that's cool. That's just one of the other ways that you just get totally overpowered. So between the, the weapons, the shards, obviously, like, the body armor and accessories, the you know, you can get things that like give you unlimited mana or increase your critical hit. So there's there's lots of different uh, ways to be customization. It sounds like you don't have to max out the power of all those things. You can keep them at their base level if you wanted to uh, kind of retain some of that challenge if you wanted. I don't I wouldn't blame anybody for that. Uh, but the game also has a, a, a lot of cool 
A lot of cool enemies. The boss battles are actually pretty interesting. Not necessarily that difficult. There are a handful of them that are. Um, there's there's a handful of secret and optional bosses. Man, I just had a friggin' blast with the game. Like I literally, I couldn't put it down for like three weeks. And that's that's even rare anymore. I know we talked about this a little while ago, but to get into a game like that just doesn't happen super often anymore. Where you just like you're thinking about it, whether you're right after you get done playing it, like you're laying in bed and you're like, man, I want to go back and play some more Bloodstained. There, you're at work and you're like, I can't wait to get home and play Bloodstained. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It it happens so infrequently now that like once a year maybe or something, maybe twice a year, but like it's rare. Yeah, and I mean. Based what you were saying about Mega Man 11, you can have all this hype for a game and, and hope that that's the one that's going to capture you, you know, that year or that month or whatever. But that's almost never the case. Yeah, it's rare. I mean, the last one I was probably super hyped up for, and it actually did suck me in with probably Smash Ultimate. That's a good one. That, the last game that sucked me in, I think, period, was Dark Souls 2, like, Scar the First Sin. And that was like, yeah, I was going to say, that was like four or five years after it came out. <laughs> yeah, five years later. Well, that's a badass game, though, so. Well, it took, it, that game probably took me two years to finish at that point. Yeah, I think I got it. Like, I bought it almost like a year before I ended up getting into it, so you just never know. Uh, one thing I do want to say about Bloodstained, I, I don't want people to think that I'm disregarding, like, all of the release issues that the game has had. Um, they had obviously various issues with the different ports of the game. The Nintendo Switch version came out like a week or two after all of the other platforms, and it was it was really buggy. And they've put all of their development resources towards getting that that version up to snuff, and uh, that has put a big delay on all of the uh, DLCs that are coming out for the game. For anybody who doesn't know, there's touted to be 13 free DLCs coming out for the game. Basically just stretch goals from the Kickstarter campaign, which I'm looking forward to a lot of those. You get additional uh, additional characters, online multiplayer, a couple other game modes, things like that. Uh, there are a couple issues that still remain. Like the PS4 has like some kind of bad load times, and it doesn't make any sense. Did you play Bloodborne? Yeah. Did you yeah, play it before it got patched and it had like 45-second yeah, load times? frames per second. Oh, I thought you were talking about that. No, no, no. Uh, when the game came out for like the first like few weeks or a month, uh, if you died, it took 45 seconds from the load screen back into actually playing the game. Okay, I didn't play it then because I got a PS4 a little bit after it came out. So. Yeah, well, this is not that bad, but it still takes like 15, 20 seconds to basically load into the game, which I don't want to say this game is, is hard on the hardware. If you will, it's definitely <laughs> it not. Should be. It's definitely not stressing out the system as far as I know. But there's a there's a lot of slowdown, and there are like very small load times in between, like transitioning between areas and things. And it's not like walking through like that that loading hallway that you do in Symphony of the Night and a lot of the other ones. It's just like a black screen for a couple of seconds, and it kind of it doesn't really make sense why it does that. But that was one of the issues. It, but, I mean, the biggest issue ultimately was uh, they patched the game uh, one or two times, like, shortly after the game came out. And I think it was the second patch that they released that messed up 
a lot of the treasure chests in the game. And if you had been, uh, if you had already been playing a file, it could screw you out of getting, um, at least one of the items required to progress through the game and lock you out of finishing it. And that was frustrating for a lot of people and turned a lot of people away from sticking with the game, let alone people who are maybe later adopters and wanted to hear some reviews prevented some people from actually experiencing it because they were worried that that was going to happen. If, if you started a new game after that patch came out, it wasn't a problem. But if you had been playing the game and downloaded the patch, then it was an issue. And that was very strange. Like, I've really never heard of anything like that happening before. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's kind of... That seems like kind of like an amateur development move. It didn't affect me, so that's good. But I do know that there were people that it did affect. Uh, they're definitely working really hard to resolve all of the issues you know, that we're reporting, and they know that there there are problems. We have had quite a few... Uh, patches since but it it definitely did not sour my experience of the game uh, just between the the solid and very familiar gameplay all of the cool uh, nods to the series and you know other series like it was probably like a day or two after I sent you a couple of uh, of texts I was like oh Shovel Knight's in this game cool yeah <laughs> it's my it's my Marvel vs. Capcom assist and you can also, he also drops an item that lets you turn into Shovel Knight and you can play as him. It's just a little Easter egg. Although I feel like everything pays homage to Shovel Knight at this point. Yep, the super roided version of Shovel Knight it looked like. Yeah, it looks like like the Gears of War version of Shovel Knight. <laughs> uh, a little goofy, but uh, can't be can't be too mad about that. Yeah, they, I mean, they have different nods to other characters in the series, which is cool. And they're also talking about doing some... Um, some paid DLC costumes and new items moving forward once all of the uh, free DLC is coming out. So they do have a roadmap uh, of wanting to support the game quite a bit post-release, which I appreciate. And so, I mean, I don't have a problem with paid DLC if it's going to be like cosmetic and, you know, you want to give them some extra money and love and support and stuff. They can just take my money at this point, although I feel like I should get all I mean, of that still free too. Money. <laughs> oh, they, they did. They ran with it. Uh, yeah, I made mean, one of the yeah one of the best games I've played in the last decade. That's for sure. That's Probably one of my favorite games. It'll it, yeah. I mean, given time, I imagine that this will this will age like a fine wine in my mind because I'm I'm such a big fan of just like Metroidvania in general. But the Castlevania formula of it is is perfection in my book. Like I literally, I don't think I could come up with a type of game that I would prefer to play as long as they keep releasing uh, games of, of a decent caliber with the same systems and things like that. I'll keep buying and I'll keep playing them. That's high praise. Buck and I, we've probably over the last month or so, we've been working on our, our own separate uh, favorite hundred games that we've played. I'd like to start it weekly, but I know life has been getting in the way for us, uh, especially me. Um, maybe do a, a weekly podcast. We kind of, uh, we, we share a few games, uh, from our list as we move our way up to the top and we kind of talk about those games and, and see how our lists, uh, differ. I know they're going to. Oh, we, they're definitely going to. And maybe, like you said, maybe like in every other podcast type thing, jump back and forth to like a topic and then like our, our top hundred going down. 
Yeah, because uh, yeah, those are definitely the my my favorite kind of conversations that we have is just kind of off the cuff, just like talking about why we uh, why we like what we do. And I, I oh no, I really like talking about not liking games too. There's something, something <laughs> special about that as well. But that'll be interesting, yeah, because I, I I have an idea of like what your your top twenty favorite games are at this point, but the, the rest of them are kind of a, a, a toss up. But I imagine we'll have a few in there that are are very similar. I think our top twenty will be pretty much completely different, though. I'd say so. It'd be there might be a, a couple in there that a, a couple of Final Fantasy games, <laughs> possibly <laughs> at least one. I'd say in a fighting game or two, I'd say it'll be up there too. Yeah, that's probably that's probably true. But yeah, that that'll be interesting. Hope you guys are interested in something like that too. I know we do a lot of uh, a lot of top five lists for different consoles and things. And we think this would be uh, an interesting uh, an interesting thing to do periodically uh, in between our other shows as well. Uh, we'll we'll actually probably, that'll probably be the next episode. We'll probably kick that off. I don't know if anyone's tried to do that too. It's a uh... It's harder than you think to come up with a list like that. Yeah, I'm not sure if it took longer than I thought it would, but it was it was not as stress-free and as enjoyable as I thought it was going to be. Like the the order of it was kind of that was really like the like you said like the the bottom half or the the top half whatever you want to call it the higher numbers there was really tough. Yeah, just just kind of looking back at those games, some of them we haven't played in a while, some of them we've played more recently, just been like, do I really like that one more than this one, even though I haven't played it recently? So yeah, it, it, it's interesting, and I, I'll actually be interested to see, because I don't think mine's completely uh, in concrete at this point. Mine, mine's getting there. It's uh, it's written in pencil right now. Well, I was going to say, it better be by the by the next podcast. <laughs> which knock on wood is going to come out next week so that would be good <laughs> yeah absolutely all right buck uh yeah that, that was pretty cool I, I was glad to hear your your opinions on Mega Man 11 i'm glad it it picked up a little bit for you um i, I was worried that uh based on your first initial reaction that it wasn't going to live up to not necessarily your expectations because i don't think it quite hit that but it's definitely was, a worthy entry in the series i will say that I'm glad to hear that. All right. And Buck, where can they find us? They can find us uh, on Twitter where you're at BuckChuckGaming. You know, let us know uh, what you guys thought of Bloodstained Mega Man, Final Fantasy XIV, whatever the case may be. Or you can even tell us if there's other games that you really like that we didn't talk about because we haven't played them. You should tell Chuck why you should play Hollow Knight because he still hasn't done that. He loves Metroidvanias. But that's true. I'm, I'm so burnt out now. I can't. I can't do it. But uh, you should, you can also check out the uh, the podcast at both SoundCloud and uh, Apple iTunes. Yeah, and give us a review. Of course, five stars. We certainly appreciate it. But and don't give us five stars if you don't think we deserve it. Yeah, just give us any constructive criticism otherwise or what we can do to, to improve this good old podcast. Any type of, you know, constructive criticism and also, you know, like subjects you guys would like us to talk about in the future. Because I know there's certain things that we don't necessarily think about that we'd want to talk about. I mean, I... I probably have a hundred ideas at this point, but I'm yeah. sure that I'm sure there's other ones that aren't quite uh, uh, making the list uh, whenever I'm I'm coming up with them. So uh, as as always, just you know, reach out to us and let us know what you think. And as always, I'm Chuck, and I'm Buck, and you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys. See you later, guys. <laughs>